0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Cells podcast—the podcast where we talk about relationships, culture, dating, politics from a male and female perspective. And today, oh, this is very different to our last podcast. We're talking about man babies, talking about men who can't get their act together, and whether they are trash or not. Uh, we're going to get into that at the three-minute mark. Before we do, big announcement mentioned this on the last podcast, but we now have a YouTube channel. You can discuss the podcast in the comments. Let me know whenever I say something wrong, which I'm sure I do every couple of podcasts. So go to youtube.com slash at sex podcast, youtube.com slash at sex podcast. I think just sex Cells podcast will work as well. But either way, that is the YouTube channel. Make sure you go and subscribe The full podcasts. For now, we'll be uploaded to there in video format. We're also sponsored by Crush Organics. Crush Organics. Got a massive range of CBD oils and CBD oil products. Been using that diamond oil. I sleep like a baby. Very relaxing, very nice. Been using their pain cream as well. Helps with uh, various uh, ailments that I have. Man, I I really don't have the body for physical work. I mean, I, I work out for an hour each day and I have like the same ailments that are Guy who's been working on the, a lot. on the tools has, <laughs> after 20 years of uh, brutal work. <laughs> so, yeah, my body really wasn't cut out for uh, physical work. And uh, if you're like me and you've got a few aches and pains and uh, you're a bit of a modern, soft, emotional man, get yourself some Crush Organic CBD pain cream and uh, it will help relax those muscles. Uh, cal- oh, 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 and use the code NEIL. Use the code NEIL. You get 40% off. CrushOrganics.com. That's Crush with a K. Uh, do you like to laugh? You're a psychopath if you don't. And if you like to laugh, come to Comedy Untamed. We have weekly shows in Sydney or Melbourne. So if you live in the what are basically the two capitals of Australia, do come and see Comedy Untamed. We've got the best comedians in each of those cities they're trying new material. They're doing polished sets. It's all very, uh, it's all very fun. It's all very chaotic. It's all very wild. The second half gets insane. Last week we almost got a standing ovation. Not to brag, uh, we do all sorts of improv games and things like that. So comedyuntamed.com. We've also got some shows in Newcastle. We've got some shows in Geelong coming soon, and hopefully Brisbane sometime this year. I want to set up a weekly version of the show there. All right, man babies, let's get into it. Okay, so this ironically enough was uh, my topic suggestion. And look, I've worked for myself most of my life up until basically two or three years ago. I I sort of loosely had professional relationships with maybe a manager or maybe a production company or something like that. But I've always just kind of worked for my. Self and two or three years ago, I've uh, you know made an effort to uh, expand my production capacity and produce more, and just uh, expand my business operations. And I'm working with uh, other people in a in greater capacity and getting to know them and figuring out various traits and attributes. And none of the people who currently work for me are like this, but uh, there've been people who you know, maybe I, I trialed them or maybe worked with them for a limited amount of time. And, you know, I always hated this, oh, men are trash. They can't get their act together. They're all lazy and they don't do things um, in this day and age. Because I, I did, I'd take that personally. I think, well, that doesn't relate to me. I like to think I've got my act together. So I have my days where I'm less productive, or days where I need to be a bit lazy and thankfully, because I work for myself. I have the ability to do that. But uh, I I think I'm relatively confident in saying that uh, I've got my act together. But uh, working with a lot of men in their mid-20s and late-20s, a lot don't. A lot are man babies. A lot uh, just uh, can't be consistent. They're not dependable. It's not like they're suppressing their feelings, at least in my experience, but they, they, they don't maybe have a lot of emotional intelligence and have I been perfect absolutely not uh there've been situations especially more so in romantic relationships and that's ironically the catalyst for this podcast i felt like i just didn't know what i was doing and i was hurting people emotionally and i wanted to you know get better at it and and it is a learned skill in many ways emotional intelligence but yeah uh just the the stereotype neckbeard i always think about this the fact that that even is a stereotype is so it's so condemning to the the overall male gender, right, because it's so fucking easy to shave your damn neckbeard and the (laughs) fact that that many of you aren't doing it, that it's become a stereotype, uh, it's insufferable and it's really sad, to be honest. Um, So uh, I I also don't want to, you know, ironically enough, I don't want to be the one, um, you know, thinking that, uh, you know, this is this is I don't look I don't want to make it sound like this podcast is also just me trashing men or making it seem like men are the cause of all of society's problems or anything like that but I I do actually relate with some of these um TikToks from from women who are saying men need to get their act together because I think a lot do and I think I mentioned this on a few podcasts ago where the the sort of feminist sentiment or the progressive sentiment about men needing to get their act together and not held to a certain standard and are not held accountable for their actions. And essentially, at least what I can hear in the subtext there is that men are not reaching their potential and are not becoming what they're capable of and contributing to society the way they could. But then you look at your Andrew Tate style, extreme red pill, neo masculine types, and they're also saying, well, men are all lazy, they're, they're watching porn all day, they don't have ambition, they're not confident. Now they're not saying the exact same thing at all, but there does seem to be a Venn diagram of what they're saying and in that little middle circle is that men are not living up to their potential and men are not being the best versions of themselves. and there is this uh loose implicit idea among secular millennials more than anything uh, that um, this is very this is demonstrable and, and observable in in the men that we interact with so. Uh, that's the, the catalyst uh, for what I wanted to talk about and what we can discuss today on this podcast. But uh, I know you, when I messaged you saying that we should talk about man babies, you, you seemed very excited on the chat. So uh, let me know what you think and, and what your experiences, but not, not only you, but what your friend's experiences might have been um, dealing with men who, you know, can't get their act together or haven't gotten their act together.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I love this topic not because it's a man bashing topic, but I just find it really interesting and to talk about, especially the female version, cultural factors, etc. We can get into that later. But um, I myself do not have experience with a man baby because I do not have the time of day <laughs> to um, to date or interact. Or previously it was not in my realm. Uh, however, so many of my friends have dated or are dating or interacted with closely um, with a man child. And give me, give it's literally examples. just someone that doesn't know how to cook, mm. doesn't know how to clean, maybe struggles, jumps from job to job, maybe no ambition. That Those two are kind of sometimes. Um, little to no um, emotional maturity. Um, failure to see things from their point of view or empathy um, or perspective. Um, there is the stereotype that they video game all day, which I have found actually to be kind of true in these aspects a lot. A lot of them are video gamers, which is interesting. I do love video games. So I And uh, Adrian once was a video gamer before a child, but he's not a man child. Um, and just a weaponized incompetence is a really big one where basically – someone will say or your partner might say, like, can you um, can you make me a tea or can you take the trash out or can you do this and it'll take days or it'll take months or it'll never happen. Or if it does happen, it's done so poorly or incorrectly that she just thinks I may as well just do it myself. Um, or he'll be like, I don't know how, or do, or how do you do this? No, she'll just take over herself. Um, and sometimes you find that the the – the partner might be even taking on the the traditional female and traditional male roles. So they might be cleaning the house, doing all the maintenance, doing all the cooking, the cleaning, but also mowing the lawn and taking out the trash and um, fixing the cars or, or um, putting up furniture themselves. So basically doing Jesus. all the physical and emotional labour for their partners. And so when I look at um, – friends or girls or, or even anyone I know that have dated men like this. And I mentioned this in the last podcast, you have to look at what is the secondary gain? Like why were they like this when you first started dating them? Because 99 times out of a hundred, they are, they were already like this. So why then did you go and date them knowing this? And I think is the key to this is at the start or you know, women love to want to look after a man. Okay, I shouldn't say that's such a. Don't screenshot that one sentence and put it on any video there, because I'll get <laughs> ripped online. But there's a difference between wanting to look after a man and needing to look after a man, or just a partner in general. Um, and I think that they might find it endearing, or or just. The blinded by love, where they're like, I'll look after sorry, I'll look after them and I'll do this and I'll do that. But then after a while, what is that person actually contributing to you or to your relationship? And what is the balance in this relationship? What is the balance of physical and emotional labor? So I think those are two really, really big things that people that have that date man child's um, experience, that they are doing all the labor for this. I don't want to have to teach you or teach that person. How to have a conversation, how to communicate without getting aggressive, how to do all these things. And I also don't want to have to do every single cook, every single meal, do every single load of laundry, do everything for the house. Um, so it kind of falls into those little uh, ca- categories and factors that come up in these relationships can be so detrimental long term to these um, relationships. And I would say the only ones in relationships like this that actually succeed are probably ones that have the cultural expectations that this is the way a functioning healthy relationship is where the woman might do A, B, C and the man might do this uh, or do nothing and the man might be uh, communicate in an aggressive manner and that's the culturally accepted way, um, in which case they may not say much of it as an issue because they've been brought up knowing that. Um, the other thing that I think is important to kind of reflect on as well is what leads people or men to become like this. Um, and cultural, um, traditions or aspects aside, there's two schools of thoughts about this. One is that men, um, we've kind of talked about this on a recent podcast that they don't, they don't have the opportunity in their childhood to have their emotions prioritized. So they don't learn to talk about their emotions, um, and communicate effectively or be heard, so therefore they can't do it to other people and listen to their emotions or take on board their emotions. And um, in, in terms of being related to a man-child, that would be because another big aspect of it is that anytime I hear, this is what I hear and what I read as well, that when someone tries to communicate with a man-child, they get instantly defensive, instantly aggressive, um, failing to see the issue and then or the woman puts up with it for so long that she finally explodes and or, and he goes, why is she becoming so hysterical? Or maybe she becomes critical um, or resentful and then it's he gaslights her saying she's the problem. Anyway, the other school of thought as well, um, which I think is probably the most accurate one um, or more likely, is that as a child they weren't ever told that they were wrong. Um, they were made to believe that they were always right They probably had everything done for them, usually by their mother, all the cooking, all the cleaning, like, don't do that. Um, And I saw this skit. I don't know if you've seen it. It was, like, viral on TikTok. And I saw it a while ago, so I can't remember it perfectly, but this um, comedian, she was talking about the way that um, a mother talks to her son, and she'll be like, don't do that, sweetie. Oh, you ran someone over. That's okay. Oh, I'll do this for you. I'll do that. And then the way a mother talks to her daughter, which was honey – You've got cellulite. <laughs> the shorts make you look fat. Um, which and everyone in the comments is relating to so much, which is really interesting to see how people saying this is so accurate to the way I saw my mum talk to my brother versus me. Um, so
0: <laughs> didn't happen. Yeah, those
1: before. are my first initial little reflections on it.
0: <laughs> You're absolutely right. There uh, is a this is one where there is a clear gender difference. I don't know. I don't know a single man who's dated a woman who you know can't iron a shirt or. can't do just basic life skills, uh, can't get to work on time, can't just do these just basic, basic attributes of competency that really should have been instilled into you from your parents at age five. I mean, Mm. things like brushing your teeth, basic hygiene. It's it's really, Mm. you know, in most uh, situations when it comes to men's issues, I want to be very uh, empathetic and understand the broader cultural context. And And yeah, play devil's advocate and offer different um, ideas uh, in comparison to maybe what the mainstream progressive narrative is. But these are situations where it's like, dude, you don't get any empathy if you're in your thirties and you can't iron a shirt. You don't get any empathy if you're in your late twenties and, you know, you don't know how to cook anything other than two minute noodles. It's like, get it together. I'd, I'd. A lot of, I think, yeah. I I wonder what these people's fathers think of them. Because if I had a son like that, I would, I'd be, I'd be ashamed. I'd literally be ashamed of my son if my son was twenty five and couldn't do these basic, basic life skills. Unless there's, you know, a a mental illness issue or something, some sort of other adventitious uh, occurrence, then that would be different. But in in most situations, I would quite literally be ashamed of my son, and. I don't think that's a, um outlandish statement because this is a modern phenomenon. Now, when we talk about, say, things like you were saying emotional labor, yeah, traditionally men were not expected to do that. Men were not really trained to do that. But things like, yeah, taking out the trash or whatever, uh, the basic housework duties that a man is expected to do... Um, that is something that, yet yeah, in, in, in the traditional world, and, and I'm not talking it too historically here, even, even just our parents and grandparents, the men were expected to do this. And if they didn't do that, there would be consequences. Um, and then when you move into the more modern world and post 1970s, as boomers started to have children and the self esteem um, phenomenon where it was important to tell kids that they're um, incredible and get, get, give them participation awards and always amplify their self-esteem as much as possible. Yeah. The bastardized version of this and the, uh, and the really negative consequences, you have a cohort of men who have never experienced any kind of punishment, any kind of consequences. And a lot of that is, is cultural and often from a sort of a uh, 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 maybe a uh, um, a mother that uh, you know d- doesn't have the the uh, the audacity to just punish her son, and you see this in in non white cultures more. Actually, you see mm-hmm. Arab and and brown and you know men who look like me who are like this the most, and then they expect a woman who does everything, and it's like you got to even in a traditional way of doing things, the man then at least had to there was a division of labor there where the man had certain expectations that they they had to fulfill. Like at at the very least, if you see a man who maybe expects a woman to fulfill those traditional gender roles but then he has a really high-paying job and is really masculine and does all the physical work, at least then you can justify that as saying, all right, this is balanced. But when you see this kind of like chubby 30-plus-year-old who lives with his mum and is expecting to get this 10 out of 10 wife who does everything – it's like, bro, you are so delusional. How how did you get to this point? This is a failure from from the perspective of your parents and of society. And yeah, yeah, it it, tri- it triggers me because I'm you know part of that group. I'm a, I'm a late twenties man, and I am an ethnic man. And you do see a disproportionate degree of this kind of man child behavior among ethnic men. It's it's uncomfortable, but it's it's also true. I remember watching this um. Show where the host was uh, talking about dating uh, in, in in different cultures, and this Asian woman was saying she just dates white men because the Asian men expect everything to be done while they play video games. Now that's an extreme example. I'm not ex- I'm not trying to suggest that all Asian men are like that, but yeah, when you come from these um, more uh, family, extended family driven cultures. It doesn't bring the best out of men. And I actually think this, this goes back historically, where, you know, sort of the more Protestant individualism of the West actually had advantages for male behavior. Now, it also had some really uh, horrendous disadvantages there, where they were sometimes unrestricted in the expression of their masculinity, and that was really harmful for, for women. But it, it at least forced men to become a, the, probably the best version of themselves, because there, there isn't this extended family constantly validating them and constantly telling them they're perfect and that they don't have to do anything. And that by simply being a man, you know, this, this goes back to, I guess, being the, uh, you know, holding onto the family name and, and just by simply holding onto that, you are a King of sorts. And, and, you know, it is in, in many ways, it's an outdated culture. And then when you have this, uh, more modern secular Western culture, that is very respectful of other cultures and, doesn't want to question other cultures. It, it sort of um, it denies any any critique or criticism for uh, this kind of behavior, and it's not good for anyone because it's not good for them. The men aren't happy either. The men who are like this, and it's very hard yeah. to change when you when you're that far gone. You know, when you are in it's your it's so life.
1: overwhelming. Yeah, you have to when, be like I'm in my twenties and I've never I haven't even started. Yeah, I don't have the money. Oh, that's I don't terrible. Don't have anything
0: it's really, really bad. And, uh, it, it maybe, maybe I I do need to think about whether just condemning this kind of behavior is the best strategy, but at the same time, that I think is what has caused that the, uh, inability to, you know, punish people and to have consequences for certain people. And it's, uh, yes, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. And, it's not, it's definitely not good for women. Like you hear about, you talk to any, uh, ethnic millennial woman in Sydney and she wants to date within her culture. In fact, women are actually more attracted to men of their race, ironically enough, but, um, she, she'll always, uh, articulate how hard it is dating men of her culture because they're man babies. They, uh, they think that they're being very masculine by essentially ordering her around but she's not happy and then you get this kind of stereotype of the the crazy ethnic woman which comes from the fact that she hasn't been able to uh, have a sense of self and yeah. she becomes crazy as a result because of course you would yeah. become crazy by this kind of like, you know, Chubby false king who's sitting there ordering me around, and at least, and like I said before, if, if he's a you know a very high earning businessman or something, you could probably justify that in saying, "All right, I'll do all the I'll do all the emotional and physical labour at home because he's bringing in three hundred grand a year." I don't, I don't think that's the best relationship yeah. at all, but at least you can yeah. then justify that to a certain degree. Yeah. But when it's a guy who's on a you know mediocre salary or <laughs> at worst. Can't even hold down a job, you think? Well, what the hell is this? This is uh, this is pathetic, and this guy needs to get his act together.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a it's a really interesting perspective, to, or just thing to consider is the cultural aspects of it. And like you said, like I know um, girls I used to work with that were Muslim Arabic, and they dated these men, and they would do every single thing for them at home and I would f- look at them and feel so sorry for them, like the emotional labor they were telling about their arguments. And I'd be like, oh, how, how could he say that? That's so stupid. Or how could he not see this anyway? And, and they would look at me though when I was, this is when I was single and feels so sorry for me that I would be going out on Tinder dates and offering to pay for half of, half of the meal or offering to pay for all the meal. And they're like, girl, have some self-respect. Don't offer to pay. It's so interesting, the different um, perspective. And one of my friends told me, and I don't know if this is 100% accurate, this is just her um, voice, but um, she told me that in their culture, he, uh, the husband works really hard and she's like, I hold all this money. All the money comes to me and I decide how we spend the money. Um, in return, I look after the house, I look after the children, I do anything. So I don't consider that as so much like you said, like I don't consider that as a, a man baby, although the emotional immaturity in my perspective was a different, you know, may not have may have kind of teetered into that um area a little bit. However, I saw this once in the making and um, I think I talked about this years ago in the, at the start of this podcast, I think um, when we first started doing it, but I was once called out to a family um, where this kid who was maybe like nine, eight or nine years old, hadn't um, been at school for literally months, which in Australia is illegal. Um, it's considered uh, educational ne- neglect. Um, and she, She he wasn't enrolled for homeschooling or anything like that. So I get called out to this family and it's an Asian family. And, um, long story short, she was a single mother. Um, although she did have a partner now, so a a newish partner. Um, but she had, she, (laughs) this kid couldn't get off the video games that he would play 18 hours a day and then sleep for six hours and eat for an hour. And it got to the point where he demanded so much of his mother um, that she would create a menu for him every day and he could select what lunch he might want, what breakfast he'd want and what dinners he want. She'd have to bring it to him at his computer. He didn't leave his room. He literally didn't leave his room. She bought a bucket for him to go to the toilet and two. She bought a kiddie pool for him to, to shower him in. Um, and he wouldn't let her leave the room either. So he would make her sleep on the floor, without a bed, without a blanket, just straight on the floor if he went to sleep. Um, and then during the day, she'd just be having to cook for him, clean for him, bathe him while he sat and games. And this kid was like eight years old, literally. Um, And we talked about the boundaries, how we're going to kind of ease them out. What are we going to do? And we made an action plan together. And she just said, "No, I'm not doing it." She was like, "It's my, it's my, it's in, it's in. Like I have to do what he tells me." Good. And I was trying to say, "No, you don't." And she said, "Yes, I do." She said, "You don't understand, but anything he tells me." I must do. This is so ingrained in me. Um, and we had a lot of language barriers as well. So I'm kind of, this is the essence of what she was telling me. Um, but he, a year later, still doing the same things. She couldn't work. She couldn't make an income. Um, so the other kind of area that I see this in when it comes to particularly um, white men or, you know, just Western men that... Um, have, are doing this um, or are, are man-babies, I do see very frequently that it's with a single mother um, and they kind of are compensating mm. for the guilt of him not having a father figure or maybe that he witnessed abuse or whatever. There's a lot of guilt there and a lot of shame. So she tries to compensate by doing everything um, for this, for this yeah. kid. And it goes well into adulthood. There's so many times, probably every single day on Reddit, I see some mum posting saying, What can I do? My 24 year old son, he's never worked. He's never had a job. He doesn't know how to drive. He doesn't know how to cook. He lives in my house. Like, what what do I do to help him? And all the comments are like, "Um, Don't like your, this is your fault. Like, you enabled him. Why are you thinking of this now at 24? You could have been thinking of this at 17 when he dropped out of school or whatever. Why are you only intervening now when he's literally in his mid-20s with an almost fully developed brain? <laughs> like yeah, it's too late I mean,
0: at that point. It's not too late, but it's so it's hard at that point. Yeah. 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 So
1: much harder. Um, and then finally, another little example of like the cultural side I saw. Um, another post on Reddit I saw just the other day was this um guy who thankfully wasn't a man child but you could see how it could have stemmed into this he um he came from I can't remember I know it was a cultural family but I cannot for the life of me remember what culture it was or maybe he didn't say but he did hint that it was a cultural family uh, cultural background but he was bringing his girlfriend over to family they had to go to the family house multiple times a week and the mother would be testing the daughter to see that she would be efficient. So the mother would make the daughter cook everything, make her clean, like clean their parents' house to the point of she'd have to mop all the floors, mop all the bathrooms just for a weekly dinner and the girlfriend started saying, I'm tired of doing this. I thought we were going over to socialize with your family and have a dinner. Like, why do I have to do everything when I get over there? So she said no. And then the family was outraged, her saying no, saying if she wants to be marrying my son, she needs to be cleaning our house and proving that she can do it. And thankfully this guy was saying, I disagree with my parents, Um, but he still didn't know how to do anything himself because he'd never actually been allowed to. So he might've wanted to learn to cook. He might've wanted to learn to do these things, but he literally wouldn't be allowed. Um, so it's, there's so many different kind of factors of it. And I guess in some places, and sometimes you do have to hold some point of empathy. Imagine being a kid being absolutely refused saying, no, you can't do this just the way in, in the same way that, um, you know, girls can be denied things all the time from their family, especially in certain cultures. Um, but, when you talked about before as well, I don't want to touch on like that we don't often see this in women. I do agree that it's much less frequent, but I think that we do we do see it. I especially have seen it um, in clients I've worked with, 18 to 21-year-old girls, very frequently you'd be surprised, probably actually more than guys that would have, have never done anything, dropped out of school, never... Never been able to get a job, never any, nothing, don't know how to even make tea. And yet they're anyway. Um, But what I find the difference as well is in adulthood with, with women that are like this is that when you're pretty, it's kind of cute if you just work one day a week at a cafe and you don't know how to do things. And then this man comes along and protects you and he doesn't mind. And it's not seemed as so unattractive as it is the other way around, which I find interesting. Um, And I even saw um, on, um, it was like making fun of like Tinder bios or something or a website or Instagram. I don't know. I came up on it where this um, girl was saying, I won't do anything. I'm not going to cook. I'm not going to clean and you have to pay for everything. And the guy reached out to her and was questioning it. And she's like, well, do you want to, would you like a nice, humble, hardworking girl? Or would you rather a high value girl that knows her worth? And he was like, actually, (laughs) I would rather a humble, hardworking girl than you. But um, that was just the way that she had framed her complete incapacity to do anything as being high value and high worth. So I don't have to do anything, which is an interesting little caveat and uh, change of perspective between the genders.
0: Yeah. No, that's the negative uh, conception of the other side of yeah. it where women expect the man to do everything and will then use that excuse, oh, he's a man, baby. No, he just mm. wants an equal partnership as well. and. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, not everyone who says, oh, this man I've interacted with is a man, baby. You don't have to take their word for it. You can inquire a bit further into that. And yeah, yeah there are, um, again, I don't want to use dating shows as just the example for this, but this is, this is, this one's a bit more casual compared to the last podcast. Uh, that mm. mama's boy show I ended up watching and oh, my God, that's my favorite brown mother is that's, that's just cruel. That's just, uh, uh seriously abusive and. You find that in in Asian, Arab and Indian cultures where the mom just acts as a servant to the boy and Mm. historically if there were wars that had to be fought, if the men had to become these sorts of uh, hyper-masculine warriors, well, that culture was then adaptive because that was how you brought the best out of men and how you possibly Mm. created an elite fighting force that could then stave off the competitors but now when the standards for men aren't at that same level but the standards of women are still at that level well you do you create this just completely idiotic man child who can't do anything because Mm. he's never had to face any consequences in his life and yeah when you look at some of those statistics for single mothers um single mothers with female children there's there's The last I read, there was no difference between the outcomes of women who grew up with a a single mother versus with two parents or very limited differences. And when you controlled for other things like economic factors, those differences were uh, far less pronounced. And, However, when you had men who grew up with single mothers versus men who grew up with a biological father in the household, the outcomes are vastly different. Men with single mothers are more likely to engage in crime, less likely to complete high school. They're also less likely to perform well at logic-based subjects like mathematics and science. But then then they found, ironically, better performing at uh, literature-based subjects. So that was one Mm. aspect where a man with a single mother could have uh, uh, benefited. But the the theory, I was was watching someone break this down, and his theory was that, uh, well, when you have a... The father is more likely to uh, enforce, ver- you know, harsher restrictions and and teach uh, a boy how to uh, uh, harness his more masculine inclinations, such as the ability to think more logically and rationally. And that's not to say women don't have that ability. I'm not saying that at all. But, yeah. uh, you know, co- coordinate themselves in a way that's uh, cognizant of the time and not always be... Uh, just focused on their inner world and their inner selves and what they want to do in that moment, and then there's also harsher boundaries that are often enforced by the father. And mm. I'm sure, as you would know, the you know a woman's body when she's mm. given birth is is just changes fundamentally to mm. purely just protect and and care for that child. And then mm. for her to, if she's a single mother, for her to take on that caring maternal role and that uh, uh, more masculine uh, boundary driven role is a, is a very hard ask. And that is a, a, a negative consequence of the, the highly, uh, liberated society that we do live in. And, and in most situations where there is a single mother, a lot of ac- our accountability has to be, um, put towards the, the biological father. Cause there's a lot of instances where he just didn't want to be the father or just didn't care. Uh, but then there are instances yeah. as well where, yeah, the, the mother is like the aforementioned uh, example that you articul- articulated where she's just yeah. treating him like a king and just allowing him to play video games. And, you know, there's a speaking maybe more from the Caucasian, modern Caucasian culture here. Uh, in in comedy videos, there's a, there's a trope that's uh, often expressed in very funny ways about how white boys will just swear to their mom with no consequences. Uh, I remember first seeing this from Russell Peters where he's telling a story about how he went to his white friend Ryan's house and then Ryan's mom told him to do something and he just goes, fuck you, mom. And God, she's such a bitch. And he's just there in utter shock because any ethnic person who ever tried (laughs) to do that to their mom would be belted, absolutely belted. And yeah. so you so you get that mother who's very who will cook for you and will do all these things for you and and sometimes act as a as a pseudo servant, but at the same time she will not refrain from being violent and extraordinarily yeah. aggressive if you uh, disrespect her. Uh, yeah, whereas that's uh, so funny. maybe if if you if in I'm not saying obviously this doesn't apply to every single white person or anything like that, but. Um, I wonder if uh, you know post cultural revolution, there's there's sort of been a bit more of a lax approach to parenting in the West that wasn't necessarily experienced in Eastern or Arab or African cultures, and uh, that manifests in a different kind of man baby, more probably a more entitled man baby, if anything, uh, who just can't do anything and will uh, respond aggressively verbally. If there is any challenge made to their their worldview or their sense of self, and or their uh, attributes or, or lack of action on a given um, on on some sort of issue within the relationship, uh, and then you get more of the you know traditional cultural man babies who have potentially had a overbearing mother and a and a culture that is expected expected more of them historically, but because we live in a very safe world that doesn't necessarily need a lot of uh uh behaviors that men maybe have an inherent biological advantage in uh they just become essentially a man without a purpose and and aimless and then Mm. and then those behaviors actually make it worse and if you're already low in testosterone you engage in behaviors that further exacerbate the fall in your testosterone and you if you play video games and eat junk food all day that's not going to help you that's not going to compel you to become a better version of yourself whereas if you're engaging in behaviors that are beneficial to your male hormones and your uh, sense of purpose and identity, that will actually work as a um, – it will just sort of beget more of those behaviors. When you're higher in testosterone, you you, you actually are compelled to be competitive and you're compelled to challenge yourself. And that doesn't happen for men who are low in testosterone and just low in basic health because they eat junk food all day. And like we talked about on the last podcast, there's often this idea that oh, I'm struggling, I've gone through this thing. And then you sometimes, not in all situations, you, you inquire further, what's this thing that you're struggling with? I went through a breakup six years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: well, come on, man. Like that was six years ago. That's a situation where it's like, all right, no, put those feelings down and go do something. That's a feel. That's a situation where what could be described as you know maybe toxic masculinity would be appropriate in my in my opinion. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a yeah, it's a sad situation because it's it's affecting society. It's making women uh, annoyed and and you know uh, not particularly inspired by the opposite gender, which is not a good thing. That's what contributes to a lot of these TikTok trends and female comedians talking about how men are trash and. In a lot of situations it is. And then women don't want to be the best versions of themselves if men aren't the best versions of themselves. So why would a woman want to, you know, you if you've got this uh traditional cultural idea a woman should always dress well and do this and always want to have sex with me, and you're this like fat slob who doesn't have anything interesting to say, well, how's she gonna fake that sexual interest all the time, man? You gotta you gotta maintain that desire. And if you challenge yourself to be the best version of yourself, well, a good partner will be along the ride with you, and they just don't understand that they can't see that. Um,
1: yeah, I think. Well, actually, I'll get to that point in a bit, but firstly, it what you said about you know the lack of a father figure and the impact long term is so um true and interesting. And I think when you're talking about the guy that you watched that kind of debriefed it and talked about why. I feel in my opinion, it's less because of the way that what's lacking from the mother's parenting, like more strict boundaries or anything. I would say it's more because of the father wound and thinking about why did my father leave me or what was he like? And I only you know, say that based on my experience working with children in care, especially boys who are desperate to know who their dads are and even when they were put into a house um, or, uh, sorry, a home with a male and female foster carers or whatever, desperate to know who was their father, what was he like, what did he do, why did he leave me, why didn't he come back, why didn't he do this. It's that that wound that was left um, is so, so strong and impactful regardless of the fact that they had this male figure raising them since the age of one. Well, that's all they've known. They still want to know about the biological um, father, which in Australia, the laws are every child has to be told um, and have a very strong understanding of their life story, know why they're in care and what happened and what their history was, which I completely agree with. So it's not like they just, even though this kid was raised or these boys were raised by these other men um, and may even call them mum and dad or may soon get adopted or have guardianship from this family, they still really need to know it's so inherent in And and it's such a deep part of their personality and their sense of identity um, comes from that. And of course, they want to know a little bit about their mum. But it seems, in my experience, it seemed that um, you could give them information on their mum, and they'd be kind of satisfied with it. But they would, the boys were always just like more, more, more about my dad, find my dad, you know, um, trying to find them on Facebook themselves. And the girls were it was the other way around. They just—they wanted to know what their mum was like. They wanted to see their mum regardless of, you know, what um, abuse they'd endured. And boys want to see their mum too, but the thing is that mums are actually more likely, in almost all cases, the mothers were still seeing their children that were with um, foster families, whereas the dads wouldn't. So I think that that's a little interesting, you know, factor as well, is that it's, it could just be like, what wound is that leaving? And we may not see it from the other side because it's less likely that, um, a woman leaves up and leaves her, her babies. Um, of course it happens at times or, but it's less likely that, you know, you don't know who your mom is and you're raised by your dad. Um, and who, so we don't really have much on, we couldn't say too much about what the long-term impact of, of that is, um, except in the cases of foster care system and out of home care. So yeah, that's, uh, the other thing that you kind of mentioned on the end there was, I think one of the most important factors is that it is everything I learned in sexology and relationship therapy is that if you are having to be like, you know, basically a mother to your partner and your, um doing everything and looking after him, that is the biggest killer of a sex life. Um and it actually goes hand in hand. You might find that it's not necessarily just that she doesn't want you, but you might find that you actually subconsciously start not wanting her over the years when she's taking on a mothering role and you might find her bickering with you or being critical or resentful. And that's a turn off. Um, whereas she's turned off because she no longer sees you as an independent, masculine, or or just, I guess it doesn't matter, you can be turned on by a masculine man or a a feminine man, Um, but she might not see you as a a person worthy of or equal to her. She sees you as someone that she has to look after like another kid. How many times have you heard women joke about her having three kids when she's actually got two kids and a husband? (laughs) Um, So that is by far the biggest killer to... um, the Sex Life, and I highly recommend, and I talk about this all the time, and I lend this book out a thousand times to every single person I know. I bought like ten copies because I keep lending it out, uh, lending it out, but that book Come As You Are by Emily something, Nagowski or something like that, is so fascinating and so true to the way that all these little balances in your um, in your life, especially like emotional burdens, physical burdens, um, habits, um, emotional maturity, conversation, communicate, affects a sex life, particularly of women. Um, So if you're a man child and you're questioning why someone doesn't want to have sex with you, there's your answer. And you might eventually up and leave her and get someone else. And you're going to go through the same cycle over and over and over again until um, you change that. And unfortunately, this seems unfair and unequal, but in the cases that a woman has well i'm just going to say an attractive woman also doesn't do anything doesn't work doesn't earn any money doesn't know how to drive or do anything for herself it's that actually doesn't impact your the sex life um in terms of the men's attractiveness to her um it it can at times but not as drastically Um, but however if that woman isn't deemed as physically attractive um, then it absolutely has almost the same impact as well, hmm. which is interesting. But also, we know we've talked about this a million times that how important physical attraction is, um, particularly to men in in majority of cases, not in all, and maybe not even in most, but in majority. Um, so yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, you you are correct. And what I would say for men in that situation who who uh, complain about how women have women have it easier and are not held to the same standard of life skills and ability to provide resources well that's not going to help your situation let's say that those pretty girls yeah. no longer are held to the standard based on their looks that still doesn't change the fact that you're a man child so is that what you want is that what you want you want just a woman who does everything and sees you as hot and therefore you don't have to do anything that sounds mm-hmm. like a pretty shit life anyway so i wouldn't i wouldn't uh engage in that kind of um complaining behavior there and. Um, Oh, I forgot what I was going to say, but I was going to say something similar to um, that. Mm, I'm uh, completely mind blanked on, on that. But um, yeah, I think uh, if you're going to sort of constantly complain about society without doing anything, that's not going to help you. And it is true that I think society has to be held accountable and culture has to be held accountable for creating these kind of man babies. But at the same time, there's a there's a responsibility that is on you, mm-hmm. and I think all the you 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 should internalize the fact that all the responsibility is on you to solve this issue, mm-hmm. and you got to be really harsh with yourself. If you don't have that harsh general slash father figure telling you uh, what to do and keeping you in line, you've got to become that for yourself, and that's not easy. Yeah. Uh, I didn't I didn't have a you know very strict or harsh father because. From what I've been told, my grandfather was like that and my dad wanted to be a very, uh, you know, uh, modern man who never sort of Mm. told his son to uh, be tough or anything like that, which is probably what you're going to get a lot more of now. I guess I was a generation early in experiencing that. But you can't go too far either way. You can't be that uh, officious father who never shows any love or affection to their children, but you cannot... Be the boundaryless father as well, who is always indulging in their uh, emotions at any given time. You have to, you have to be both. You have to be the good cop and the bad cop. You have to be the uh, benevolent father and the and the harsh disciplinarian father, dep- depending on the situation. Now, and, and look, I'm saying this I'm more so as a father figure, and we're talking about if you are just in, in any position of authority here, because I'm, I'm not a father, so it's probably not right for me to he's saying all of this, but, uh, um, I'm just talking about a a man in any position of authority with other men as their subordinates. Uh, and yeah, I, I, that is also infuriating when you hear about the, the girls who sort of have that level of entitlement because they're attractive, but that's right. That's what I was going to say on an evolutionary basis. It does make sense because, yeah. A woman doesn't have to provide resources. In fact, it's probably not beneficial for her, for, for, for uh, a tribe or a, a, a population to depend on women providing the maximum amount of resources because the burden of bearing children and giving birth is so intense that it's far more beneficial for the men to be providing those resources and protection and security while the women are uh, prioritize the birthing process and uh, prioritize the care of the infant. So there are underlying physiological factors that likely contribute to uh, certain uh, women uh, potentially feeling more uh, in- entitled because mm. biologically they are the one that is going to bear the child and more likely than not children. And it makes sense that the man has to then – Showcase the ability to provide resources and care and physical security, but the new one is also emotional security. I I watched a teal swan video about uh, men uh, expressing their emotions. Do we do it or do we not? Because a lot of times we're, we're we're hearing one message, but then experiencing negative consequences if we engage in the actions that are expected of us in a modern context. So a lot of men will talk about how. I did express my feelings, and it um, it blew up in my face. Uh, the, the 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 girlfriend, or the 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 partner, or the people around me, told me that it was either unattractive, or you know, not masculine, or just uh, not the ideal choice of behaviour in a given moment. and And her argument was that what women want from men is a sense of masculine. It, she calls it masculine containment. So. The example she gave, if I remember correctly, was that if uh, uh, a wife sees her husband cry when he sees a puppy or when there's a baby, that's really attractive because it shows that he might be empathetic and that he can observe beauty and vulnerability and see that in a very, you know, beautiful way. Whereas, if his emotions make her feel less safe or if his emotions make her feel like she has to then do more of the emotional labor yeah. that's when it becomes a turnoff for her and an example for that would be something like oh, i can't i can't work right now at this point in my life and these are the feelings associated with that now it's it's contextual here because someone could be going through some really harsh things in their personal life or have some sort of a issue that they that they have to bear with but if a if a partner hears that she's going to be empathetic uh, in the moment but the underlying message is i cannot provide security for you right now or in a more emotional uh context oh i'm i'm upset at something you did or something you you said and again she might go into carer mode and 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 feel a lot of empathy empathy for you in that given moment, but the underlying physiology is that, all right, this man might be particularly sensitive over certain things and how does that affect his ability to provide me with emotional security? Um, And so there's a a lack of safety that comes with that. Tell me if if that makes sense and if you agree.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree in... In most parts, yes. I think that that point about um, the emotional safety, like are you made to feel safe, um, is so true. And I do agree kind of about the the other aspect of, um, you know, when someone comes to you and it's, you know, they're putting their burden on you. But at the same point, every woman I know, Oh, no, that's too dramatic. But a lot of women I know, and especially women like myself, will happily take the burden on of others and often not feel drained by it or not get resentment um, unless it's continual over years and years and years and imbalanced. Um, So in some ways I don't necessarily agree 100% with that. And I do hear, we do say a lot in this podcast as well about, you know, men that um, when they experience opening up, two women um, or their partners and they kind of get that shut down rejection and the impact of that. But I would say that this happens equally to women, maybe not equally, but uh, still a a lot of amount of times to women as well um, where they open up and then we get told we're being dramatic, we're emotional, like we're hysterical, all these things. And um, I hate to reference. Everyone gets mad when we talk about maths when it comes up (laughs) every year. But there's such a good good example. (laughs) And MAPS means married at first sight because there's always one person that's like, what the fuck is MAPS and why do they keep talking about it? But there's this one couple, I can't remember their names, but there's the builder, you know, um, the fuckboy builder Mm. and the girl – he married and she she was really upset about something that was justified. Oh, basically, they um he kept telling her, You're so sexy. I just wanna jump over this table and fuck you. Like he's so saying he's so turned on by her and she's very they're both really attractive people. And then the next day they shoot them and she says, We had sex, um, and it's been weird ever since. And then he said, when they talked to him, they were like, Yeah, we've um yeah, we had sex last night and um, I'm no longer attracted to her. And this is an experiment when you get married. So she's obviously really um, upset about this. And a question that comes up at dinner is, do you find me attractive? And she says, yeah, I find you really attractive, especially when we met, there was such great sparks. And then he'll be like, and he was like, yeah, I don't find you attractive. And I was saying, I immediately turned to Adrian and I was like, imagine being told how sexy you are and how hot you are and how much you want. And then the second you have sex, being told I no longer find you attractive. That would shatter me. And she got upset and she quietly sat there with a tear rolling down her eyes. And then he's like, I don't get all these hysterics. Like <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's such a lack of um empathy and a lack of perception and understanding there. So it definitely happens both ways. Um that's very true, and yeah. I think that I guess everything happens both ways almost. and well, a lot of things do happen both ways, and that we have to kind of recognize that and keep that in our mind. Um, what I do want to say though, is that it, it obviously it does have an impact when you take on the burden, and hence what I said before about it impacting your sex life so drastically. Um, and my advice, um, cause you, you touched on this as well, a little bit about how you have to start doing that work on yourself, treat it as you are the problem. And I do see a lot of, um, family therapists or therapists that have, um, they kind of have two schools of thoughts when clients come to them. Cause very frequently we'll have a client come to us and how many times have I heard someone blame uh, and I'm using the word blame specifically rather than explain or describe or whatever, but blame everything that's ever happened to them on what occurred during their childhood or their mother or their father or something like that. And a lot of therapists take the school of thought where they should really validate that and understand that and and say yes, like these you were dealt these um you know issues or this this hand because of your parents. Whereas the other hand is like, you know, no no parent is perfect. All parents are flawed, although, you know, there are those outliers that are really, really flawed, in which case this does not include that, where it's abuse, trauma, and neglect. But all parents are flawed. No parents are perfect. And if you had a relatively normal childhood, you maybe shouldn't be blaming your parents for everything and you should start looking at what you can do for yourself and taking responsibility for yourself. And I think that that's um, – and – really, really trying to exclude here situations of abuse and trauma. But if it's just a standard childhood, let's not blame your parents for everything. And I think that's important for if you're a man child listening to this um, and, you know, your mom's let you stay in a basement or whatever up until 25, it's still your responsibility to get out there and do something. However, I think before you start going and finding jobs and getting your license and things like that, you really do have to do some inner work and get a therapist first and foremost, because if you just go, I'm going to enroll in a job, I'm going to do this and this. The first time someone tells you no two days into your job or tells you something you don't like, or you have to do something you're uncomfortable with, or you've never done before, you might get flustered, you might get overwhelmed, you might get anxious and you'll quit. And then you're going to be stuck in this perpetual cycle of wanting to escape, wanting to progress, but then being met with a barrier and not knowing how to approach it um, or overcome it. So I think that that was why therapy is so essential. And if you're a woman listening to this that is dating a man child, do not do that work for them. It is not your responsibility for you to teach that person how to develop emotional intelligence, how to develop a maturity, how to become more ambitious or anything. Send that person to therapy, put ultimatums in place, or not ultimatum, but put boundaries in place. Um, and what are we... What might you be doing that are accidentally enabling them? If you're asking someone to pick up, can you do this, pick up this laundry or can you fix this door? And then two weeks later, it's not done. And out of, you know, passive aggressiveness and just desperation, you go and do it yourself. You're relying on this perceived understanding. They'll feel empathetic and feel bad that you had to go and fix that door yourself. But that might not happen and it likely won't happen. They're just, you're further enabling them that you will end up doing every task um, yourself. So I think that that's really important that we can't project empathy and think if I just complain about this or communicate this and whatever, he'll understand or he'll feel bad if he's not changing or she's not changing, it's therapy or it's nothing. Mm. Um, that would be my advice because you're going to be stuck in this cycle forever, especially if you're trying to change it yourself. You can't change someone else's cycle. Either that, they change it themselves or you tell them they need therapy.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, therapy is the, is the will cater to the emotional side of things. But then I do think these men in these situations have to go through some tough circumstances actually, because mm-hmm. I know in my life, the, the, the ways that I, uh, really, uh, took responsibility for what were man child behaviors was when i had to endure the consequences of those man child behaviors and if you're mm. if you sit there in a in a sheltered place online all day you're never going to actually experience a, the negative consequences of the identity that you've built for yourself so look the it's it's likely that you're going to have a tough road ahead of you and you will maybe get broken up with and and you will experience a lot of uh, hardship but hardship is the catalyst more often than not for you to become the best version of yourself and on a very basic level it's important to do to to just have enough of a knowledge of basic housework stuff and also just basic conversational skills which that actually is a societal problem when when kids are now just yeah. playing video games all day and on social media yeah of course they're going to be socially awkward as they get older i think that is something that is Again, you, don't, you don't sit there blaming your parents, but, yeah, if you're in your 20s and you can't maintain eye contact and hold a conversation with someone, that's it's not impossible, but it's uh, something that you should have developed from a, from a young age and that the society should have just developed for you. So there are a lot of societal issues at play here, but things that you can do, okay, learn basic grooming. It's really not that hard. There's something a father should have done, teach you how to shave, uh, I know I was I had to shave from thirteen, <laughs> so uh, I've wow. known how to do that for a very long time. And I do I have, look. You don't have to have the most immaculate beard or facial hair out there, but uh, just look presentable. Okay, comb your hair. Just the fact that these things have to be said, it's really embarrassing. But look,
1: more importantly, like pe- personal intimate hygiene. I think yeah, <laughs> it's, it's shocking how little. People even yeah. know about that. How many times have you seen on Reddit a guy saying he doesn't wash his ass because it's gay, or he just didn't do it because he didn't know he was supposed to? <laughs> Things like that's just
0: oh, that's ridiculous. Oh, God. Um, yeah, well, I haven't heard that one, but my God, um, <laughs> I oh, have definitely heard of that. Learn, yeah. learn. Uh, look, if if your mother did all the. Uh, you know the traditionally feminine duties like ironing and and washing just learn that it doesn't take long okay you don't you don't have to be perfect with everything you do as well but just learn how to iron yeah. you know you see a lot of guys with crinkled t-shirts and and you think well it's not hard to do that okay this is not a, this is not a societal factor this is you okay buy an iron learn how to do it uh learn basic cooking you don't need to be a chef just learn Basic, basic cooking. Learn how to do a few pasta dishes, a few just basic meat dishes. Get a good salad going. All right. Again, you do not need to be Gordon Ramsay here. You just need to know the basics. Uh, Have a routine of some sort. Have just a basic routine. Learn how to organize yourself. Conduct yourself in a manner that's appropriate to the time that you have. And um, basic fashion. Do not need to buy expensive suits. Gucci clothes or anything like that, but just look neat, look presentable. Um, It's really, I I find like the most masculine aspects of society and the most maybe feminine male aspects of society are the ones that are the best at this, right? So you see a guy who's been in the military, he has his bed done at 5am and he's very neat in his presentation and his hair and probably does know how to cook basic things and is very resourceful. And then you look at well a lot of gay guys and they're the most fashionable. They are yeah. very competent with these sorts of things. And yeah. You know that it's these men in the middle who just don't know how to do this stuff. And so you know, it's not it's not gay because the most masculine guys are doing it and the most yeah. Maybe the men who don't have those masculine traits are doing it. It's you in the middle who's not doing it. So um I think you you, you just got to learn the basics here. And you got to stop with these narratives of, oh, you know, women don't want me because I'm not earning 300 grand a year. No, dude, women don't want you because you play video games all day and you can't hold a conversation and you can only eat two-minute noodles. And sure, there are (laughs) now societal issues where you look at some of these statistics where, okay, there is maybe this hypergamous gaze that a lot of more educated women have where they only want a man who earns more than them, and they only want a man who's above six foot. And there are these things like that, which are um, now uh, there's a bit more research being done into it. And it also, again, makes sense on an evolutionary basis that a woman would sort of, because the investment for a, a for a man in terms of child rearing is very limited, can be very limited, historically speaking. Uh, ma- a man could technically impregnate, what, 365 women a year, probably, probably even more, but... Uh, a woman can only get pregnant once every nine months maximum. And as a result, they're going to have, a, physiologically, there's a mechanism there to really aspire to the best possible mate. And and social media and online dating has exacerbated that. So look, it's true that there are societal issues at play, but don't sit there and blame that for everything because there's a lot of things that you could probably do that you're not doing and you need to take accountability for that. and You can't just sit there and blame what happened in your childhood. You can't just sit there and blame what happened in your last relationship. Uh, There are points in your life where you should tell that story, where you should be open and vulnerable about those things. But there are also points in your life where you can't let that control you. And sometimes you do have to be in control of your feelings and sometimes push them down on the days that you don't want to go to work, that you don't want to go to the gym, that you don't want to cook that healthy meal. Well, it's those are the times where you've got to have the discipline to do it. And that that accumulates over the course of many little actions across the day, which means many uh, habits that you develop across the weeks and months, which creates a better identity for you over the course of years. And yeah. you know, really think about who you want to be in ten years, and then think about the minute little details of your your day and the behaviors you need to engage in to get to that person. Because if you if you're if you're doing the stereotype, if you're sitting there, and you know you're not you're not grooming yourself and you're playing video games and you're, and you're online all day. Well, you're not going to get to that best version of yourself. And, and the the one thing I probably will say at the end is like, all right, if you live at home, there are economic issues at play today where yeah, that's pretty, yeah. that can be justified. So yeah, it, as long as you've got sure. a plan, um, yeah. it, especially if you live in a big city and, and you're at home, I think that can be forgivable uh, in, yeah. in particular contexts. So Maybe I won't. You know, it's not. It's not fair to be as critical on that issue. Yeah. Um, but for sure, yeah. And
1: also, just know what resources are within your reach um, is is I think the most important because I often forget to reflect on. We often talk about like neurotypical heterosexual people in our um, podcast, and I think now if someone is neurodivergent, that they will have. may may have more barriers to remembering personal hygiene or um, understanding, you know, social conversations and things like that, in which case you should reach out to what resources are available to you, which in Australia in particular, there's a lot um, to get you on that same track that Neil was just talking about as well. Um, And for anyone you know, those resources might be the NDIS. It might be therapy. It might be caseworkers. It might be care workers. It could be coaches, anything, life coaches, who knows. Um, But get resources that are within your reach rather than relying on your person that you're in a relationship with to or your mother or parent to kind of push you along. Um, And like Neil was saying, that work Needs to be done independently at, at at most of the time, um, at least at majority. So, best of luck.
0: Absolutely <laughs> right. And then the other one I would say is uh, basic handyman skills as well. If you can learn, you know, learn how to change a mm-hmm. tire, how to change a light bulb. You don't need a, you know, you don't need to have the skills of a tradie. I mean, I'm this is the one aspect I'm probably the least <laughs> proficient at. But yeah. I know how to change a tire. I know how to change a light bulb. I know how to do just basic drilling yeah. and you know tool work <laughs> but that's pretty, to be fair that's probably the one i need to get better at but you know when you live in an apartment and you're an artist in sydney there's other things that you can lean on there but um yeah, exactly yeah uh basic handyman uh skill or handy person we should say in 2023 basic <laughs> handy person skills will uh, in fact my mum taught me that ironically enough also. Good. Mm. Yeah, mum taught me how to do all of that stuff. So go talk to my mum, she'll her. teach you. Yeah, she's the opposite <laughs> yeah. of those mother those ethnic mothers. She's the complete opposite. <laughs> I once oh, really? was like once I was like as a joke, "Oh mom, you got to go find me an Indian wife." She's like, "Fuck off, go find your own wife." <laughs> <laughs> I love her. <laughs> 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 yep. So, uh, yeah, definitely gave me a very they they gave me a much more Western upbringing. We'll say that, and I think that's I think yeah. that's actually I, I got the best of both worlds. I got the kind of individualism yeah. of the West without you know sometimes the self obsession and the hedonism that comes with it. But I also got the you yeah. know, academic inclination of the you know, I guess upper class mm. Indian culture and the, and the, the strictness there, but without the the pressure that's so and. The, true you know, the extended family being ashamed at every little thing that I do. So I, I'm really grateful actually for the uh, upbringing I had. Aww. So um, mm, shout out to the the old mum and dad. I don't think they, they listen every, they, they listen like every four or five, I think, but uh yeah, uh yeah. My
1: dad started listening and it stresses me.
0: Oh, yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> want them to listen. I know she listened to like one or two and yeah. she had a few things to say, but. That's, um, <laughs> as any mother would. So, uh, there you go. But, uh, another thing, this would be worthwhile to do another podcast on is, um, if society doesn't get attacked together as, as well as these, you know, man babies, you are just looking at more men who are going to fall for your Andrew Tate type figures because it gives them a, mm. a sense of heroism when, you know, being personally accountable doesn't give you that. It's not, it's not as uh heroic to sit there and learn how to cook than it is to say, fight for a cause to, that'll be for the betterment of society. And so there's something to be said about like large collective political and cultural narratives that are also contributing to this, but uh, that's a completely Mm. other podcast. And I think we'll end Mm. this one here and, um, Eliza, I hope you go get some sleep and (laughs) thanks. (laughs) I don't know if you will, but you know, um, (laughs) Good luck. Are they <laughs> and <laughs> I hope everyone else is doing well. Uh, YouTube.com slash at Sex Sales Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and watch the video, comment, share. Uh, we're going to start posting some more highlights again. So follow the uh the Instagram and the and the TikTok. And thanks for listening, slash, watching, guys. See you next time.
1: See you next week.